The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. We're going to jump in the word. I got to adjust my stand here, but we're going to uh, dive in. So let's pray. And we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would give us a revelation of his word, right? The Bible says he comes both to uh, convict the world of sin and righteousness, but also to lead us into truth, right? So we can understand it and know what he's speaking to us. So, Father, we pray right now that you would give us an understanding of your word. Holy Spirit, teach us. Help us not to have it just in our head, but have it in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, switch up so I don't have my hands tied up. Uh, we are talking about, thank you, God, for making me what? Awesome. Well, you guys sound really enthused about your awesomeness. Thank you, God, for what? That was good. Stand up. Do that again. Right here. Let's do it. Ready? Thank you, God, for what? There we go. That's what we're looking for, guys. A little bit of excitement about it, right? God's made us awesome, which it's okay in church to say, man, God's made me awesome. We've talked about that the last two weeks. Today we're getting into, okay, God made me awesome, so now what? Now what? What do I do with it, right? Wow, I'm so good. So I've got a couple of slides here. Who's been garage sailing? Anybody been garage sailing? Uh, Robert? Robert. You know, Robert says that his wife always has to voluntold him to do things, um, which is a whole new level now if she has to voluntold you to admit that you go to garage sales. And this is like a main thing that you do. This is like his Saturday. If you want to find Robert, just go wander around other people's yards. You'll find Robert there or else in their garage. So here's some stats on garage sales. Well, what's that have to do with church? Well, we're about to do a fundraiser. No, we're not. Okay. All right, here we go. Garage sales. Here's the demand for garage sales. Do you know the average number of people who buy an item at a garage sale each week is 690,000 people? That's a lot of people. They're buying something at a garage sale. The average number of yard sales held each week in the United States is 165,000. How many do you normally make it to, Robert, in a week? 10, 12? I mean, you're not even scratching the surface. Like, you need to get more serious about this. Like, you need to get up early. 165,000 per week. The average number of yard sales listed on Craigslist is 95,000. Now, let's look at how much money they're making, because that's what really matters, right? Show me the money, right? Where's that at? Total weekly revenue from a yard sales is $4,222,375. That's some serious garage sale money right there. That's pretty serious. Hey, I've seen the money you bring home from a garage sale. My wife's like, you don't make money at garage sales. That's what she's been telling me for years. Oh, we didn't make anything. And then I go in the bedroom and I look up on the top of the dresser and there's like a stack of cash like this. She's like, yeah, we didn't make anything. No. Where'd the money go? That's hers. Average price of an item in a garage sale is 85 cents. Do you know how many 85 cents you have to have to get to $4,222,375? That's a lot of 85 cents. And the average profit margin, this is the cool part, for items purchased at a yard sale and then resold on eBay is 462% markup. You're buying that thing on eBay for, you know, $462. Somebody just bought it at a garage sale last Saturday for a dollar. And you're paying them $462 for it. That's a, pretty big, that's a pretty big gap. That's where the money's at. Now, here's the thing about these stats is these were from 2013. 
Now it's even more, like way more. Things are growing. Things are going crazy. So this was just then. I read one stat. Um, I just couldn't find an infographic report that said, that said that now garage sales, the average annual is $1 billion, which is almost as much as, as Halloween candy. That's where the real money is. We talked about that on Halloween. Okay, so where does this margin come from? This is what we're going to talk about today. This 462% margin, this markup. Where does all that markup come from at a garage sale? Like, how can you get something for a dollar and then be able to sell it for $462 on average? How can you be able to do that? Actually, that math is totally wrong. And somebody here that's a mathematician, it wouldn't be that. It'd be like $4.62. But $462 sounds amazing. So let's stay with that for now. $462. Wow. Amazing. How do you get this huge markup and stuff? Well, here's the reason. It's unseen and unused potential, right? Somebody buys something because it's so great, like a Chuck Norris Total Gym. Has anyone ever owned a Chuck Norris Total Gym in here? Anybody? Robert has. You have. Boom. Is that what Robert gave us and is now in our garage? It is. So here we go. We got a Chuck Norris Total Gym. How much did you pay for it, Robert? 15 bucks. What are they? They're almost like 1500 new, I think. They're really expensive. So he paid 15 which I paid for it. <laughs> right? And eventually, after it just collected dust there, guess how much I paid for it? <laughs> Zero dollars. And now it's in my garage. And so, and it's been there. And it's safe and secure, and it's still brand new. <laughs> so, unused potential creates this margin because people buy things that have so much value, and then guess what they do? Nothing with it. They never use it. This super awesome, amazing Chuck Norris Total Gym, the same one that he uses, the same one that made him famous, made him a world champion karate guy, the same one that made him the man and myth, the legend of all the memes where, you know, Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. He moves his arms and the world moves. All those things. Chuck Norris, the same thing he uses, at least in the infomercial just ends up sitting in garages and never gets used, doesn't do anything. Well, that's why it gets so cheap at these garage sales, and the things are still brand new. Exciting, but you get it and don't do anything with it. Well, how many of us are like that with what God's put in us? All of this awesomeness we've talked about the last two weeks, that God made you awesome, that God put all these things in you, you're fearfully, wonderfully made, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, all these things, and then at the end of the day, it doesn't get used talk to so many people, oh man, I just feel like I'm supposed to just write a book. And is it written? No. Is it started? No. I'm thinking about a title though. I've been thinking about it. When did you start thinking about a title? Well, 1987, We have this commonality where there's an excitement for something, but there's not an action that's taken to get this thing done that God's put in us. Like, oh, I'm excited for that. I want to hear that. I want to know that I have this opportunity. But the actual doing of it, the actual taking place of it doesn't happen. And so why is that? Well, part of it is fear. And we're going to get into a few of the fears. It's not always the only reason. Sometimes it's just laziness. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge, which we can help with and work with and, and try to help people develop gifts or businesses or things like that as we go through with things that God's put in them. But a big part of it is fear. And so what are people afraid of? Well, the first thing people are afraid of is a fear of others. I'm afraid of other people. I'm afraid of what they'll think of my idea, what they'll think of my gift, what they'll think of my ability. Like, I feel like God put in me this ability to sing, but I'm afraid to do it anywhere but the shower. 
right? Because if I leave the shower, it won't sound as good, and people won't like it. And so there's this fear sometimes of actually just stepping out and doing it because of what other people might think. First time I ever started sharing in public uh, in front of people, a lady told me when I left, she pulled my wife aside, and she said, you know, there'll be a day when, when he never cries or anything or gets emotional because it'll all wear off. And my husband used to get emotional sometimes when he preached or did things, and it'll wear off, and, and it won't be that big deal to him. He'll get used to it. And I was like, God, please let that never be the case. Please let that never be the case. You know, and I still get emotional and cry sometimes. Why? Because it stayed fresh. But that was somebody giving me feedback, and the feedback was intended to say, you know what, you shouldn't have cried, you shouldn't have had a problem up there, you shouldn't show emotions. Well, I have emotions because God saved me from a pretty messed up life. Not just an external life, but an internal life that was messed up. But people had feedback, and that negative type feedback, like, well, you shouldn't do that, you know, that type of thing, it can make you really just step back and go, okay, I don't really want to do this in public. I don't really want to, to show it. You know, I remember coming in here and... Uh, I missed one Sunday, we were, on, we were traveling, whatever, and I come in on Sunday, everybody's like, did you hear Madison last week singing with worship? And I'm like, no, I wasn't here. And they're like, oh my gosh, like American Idol, we have a star coming out, right? And Madison comes up and sings, and people are like, Ray, everybody's telling me about it, oh, you should have seen it, you should have heard it. Nobody even knew she sang for a long time. And all of a sudden, boom, it comes out, this gift that was in there. Why do you think God gave her the gift? Why? Christmas is coming up. When you give somebody a gift, what are you hoping they do with it? Isn't that why you give gifts? Right? Spend all this money on this awesome thing, and then you come over like two years later, and you see it in the back of someone's closet, still in the box, and you're like, man, I gave that to you for Christmas like two years ago. I paid like $300 for it. It's like brand new. Never even opened it. Oh, yeah, I didn't really need it. I didn't want to use it. I didn't want to tell you. When we give the gift, we're, we're really hoping and believing that someone's going to take that thing out and use it. Right? And then it's going to be a blessing to them and it'd be a blessing to other people. Like, that's what we're after. But this fear of people keeps us from doing that. Numbers 13, 33. This is the Israelites. God called them and gave them this gift and ability to go into the promised land, come out of slavery, come out of an old lifestyle, come out of their old hangups, all their own problems, all their old bondages, come into this new life, and they're going to go into the promised land. And so they go scout it out. And here's the report they come back with. It says, we saw the Nephilim there. And these were giants. These were big, tough people. And it says, the descendants of Anak that came from the Nephilim, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we must have seen the same to them. And so they didn't go in. And so they wound up wandering around the wilderness for decades, just wandering around, never going to what they were going to be called to do. See, well, eventually they got there. That's not true. That whole generation died in the wilderness. God never let them go in. They missed their opportunity because they said, no, we're afraid. We're afraid of those people and we're afraid of what will happen. So they never stepped out into doing that. And so that a lot of times robs people of this ability to step out. Well, we know that's not from God because we know that God's with us. The Bible says God is for us, right? What? Who can be against us? He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. God wants us to have the courage to use the gifts and ability he's put in us. He wants us to believe that he's with us to go do that. You know, when we moved here, we sold everything we had. We, we left Oregon. Some of our friends left their states. We had people from a few states come. We have a few families show up in a living room. We sold everything. We show up here because God called us to plant a church. You want to talk about fear. Like, we had a great business. We had a couple of furniture stores. We had crews working for us. Man, we had money rolling in. We had free time. We traveled when we wanted. Like, everything was good. And we're like, all this is gone. We're going to go move to Texas where we know nobody. 
and we're going to start a church in our living room. <laughs> Who's in? And we found out a few crazy friends were in. In fact, we found out from the Snailums because they sent us a picture of all of them in these cute Texas shirts. Smiling, they sent us a picture, like, in the mail. Like, here you go. And we're like, we open it up, and boom, it's a picture of them in their Texas shirts, like, smiling. I think it's the last time I saw them smile for, like, a year and a half. Because <laughs> it was hard. It was scary. But we want to step into what God was calling us to do. When God calls you to do something, guaranteed, if it's God, it's going to be scary to you because you are a little human. And he's a big, giant, humongous, galactic God. It's scary. That's how you know it's him. Hey, let's go do this. Okay. I was walking with Kira yesterday. And there's a rock. It's like about as big as that microphone. She's walking, she gets up, and she's like, careful. She's like, hold my hand, please. I hold her hand, and we're like walking to it. She wouldn't quite do it. I have to like lift her a little bit. She finally realizes she can do it. She gets over it. She's like, I did it. I'm strong. <laughs> you did it. You're strong. But she's going where I'm going, which means it's going to be a little bigger and a little harder. When God calls us into something, it's usually a little bigger and harder than what we are ready to do. That's how we know it's him. If it's easy and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm fit for this, I can do it. Guess what? You're probably missing God. You're probably missing God. You're settling for less. So that's fear of others. What about fear of ourselves? How can you be afraid of yourself? Well, you can be afraid of your own weaknesses, your own shortcomings. Like, I'm not worried what other people think, but I just know me, and I know I probably can't do it. Like, I know I'll probably fail. I know I probably don't have what it takes. Okay? Well, that was the case here, Exodus 14. 10 through 12, this is God calls Moses to lead the Israelites to go deliver them out of Egypt and out of slavery and to lead them. And this was Moses' response. He says, please, Lord. Remember last week we read about Jabez, and Jabez was like, you know, Lord, bless me indeed. Expand my horizons. Like, give me more. Well, here's Moses. God says, I'm going to give you more. He's like, please, Lord, don't. <laughs> please. He says, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. Like, I can't do this. I don't know how to speak. He says, you've spoken to your servant, Lord. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Like, don't call me. I can't do this. You got the wrong guy. Like, I know you know everything, but you don't know me. <laughs> I don't have what it takes. And the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Or who makes the mute or the deaf, the sighted or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Did he let him off the hook? He said, go, get it done. Go, get it done. Make it happen. He says, I will help you as you speak, and I will teach you what to say. This is God's plan for each of us. God's plan for each of us is to call us into something that we can't do on our own so that he can teach us and go along with us and help us to do it. It's like Jennifer Gannon over here. She's a health instructor, fitness person. Guess what? If you go work out, you're probably not going to like it at first. <laughs> right? Is that true? Most people are like, oh, my gosh, stop torturing me. Okay? Well, if you went there and you felt great, you're like, oh, this is easy, man. I didn't even have a hard time breathing. It's awesome. Guess what? You're probably not getting in shape. It's the sweat. It's the grind. It's the, I can't breathe. It's the, are you killing me? Call the cops. 
She's suffocating me in my own laziness. Help me. Right? That is what tells you that she's doing something to actually move you forward. Right? And to get you in shape and to help you. Okay, well, when God's stretching you and you're calling out like, Lord, this is too hard. This is too much. I can't do it. That's the sign that God's actually getting you moving forward and helping you to grow and changing you. Getting you more towards his purpose. What do you mean a fear of God? Aren't we supposed to fear the Lord? You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? That's a different fear. That's like a reverence and a respect of God. What I'm talking about is like a fear of God that God isn't really on your side. That God isn't really for you. That God's not going to help you. That he's just looking for a reason to come down and crush you. If he can figure out a way to, to just bring it down, he's going to call you to something. But then when you fail and fall short, boom, he's, he's right there. I'm going to get him. I'm just going to get him. Okay, well, Matthew 25, 14 to 30 talks about this. It's the parable of the talents. If you read through the whole thing, I don't have it all on here. But you can go back and read through the whole thing. But there's a story in the, the talents. And the guys come... The master comes back, and they're supposed to use the talents, which talents was money, right? But we can use that as whatever gifts we've been given that we're supposed to do something with, right? He gives them this, and he says, hey, use this. And so they go, and one guy uses it, and he multiplies it. Another guy uses it, and he multiplies it and invests it. And so the master's like, good job. Hey, good job. And then he comes to this last guy, and it says, he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown. And gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Afraid of what? He was afraid that the master wasn't actually on his side. Like, I know you gave me this talent to do something with. But I know you're a hard man. I know you're a hard master. And I know that if I screw it up, you're going to come back and I'm going to get nailed for it. So instead of doing anything with it, he said, I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you go. You can have back what you gave me. How many believers are going to get to heaven and God's going to say, hey, I called you to do some stuff. I put some gifts and abilities in you because I love the lost. I love the broken. I love the hurting. I love the orphans and the widows and their distress. Like, I love these people, and I sent you to help them. And you say, well, I was afraid I'd screw it up. But guess what? You gave me this, and so here, you can have it back. His response in the story is that he called him a wicked servant and he threw him out or there was gnashing of teeth, weeping and gnashing of teeth, threw him out. He says, you didn't do what you, why? Just because he was mad that I didn't do anything with this stuff? No, the principle, because Jesus says this is how the kingdom is like. He's talking about God's kingdom. Is the point of giving them the talent in the first place was for them to invest it, grow it, and do something with it. Do what with it? Well, just to be famous? No, this isn't a worldly kingdom. It's God's kingdom. God so led the world that what? He gave his only son, Right? God gives not for just our own selfish benefit and building our own thing, but it's because he loves lost and hurting people. And so he gives it to us and he says, do something with it, not just for yourself, but do something with it because I went to heaven, I've left you here, I need you to go and do my work. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. It's your turn. Go. What if Jesus had buried his talent? What if he's born in the manger, they brought him the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, he got old enough, he looked at it and he says, wow, that's nice gold. I can get a pretty good pad with this. I think I'll just hang out. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to screw anything up. I'm just going to kind of relax. And just wait till I go back to heaven and then just say, hey, I didn't get around to it because I didn't want to mess anything up. And then where would we be? 
that he had to go in with what the calling was, in with what the mission was. And so God's called each of us, not just the church, not just me, but each of us with whatever gift he's put in us to go ahead and step out and to do something with it. Well, what if I screwed up? You will. My first marriage counseling appointment was incredible. <laughs> incredible. Do you want to know how it went? Yeah. Okay, here you go. Just think if you could do better than this, okay? I won't tell you their names. I was the counselor. Um, took me much longer to admit I had my own marriage problems. So it was years before I did my own marriage thing, but I could help somebody else. Let me show you what to do. So there was a couple, and they weren't getting along, and they were in our community group. And so I called my pastor, and I said, hey, uh, got a couple here that need marriage counseling. He says, great, you can do it. And I'm like, probably not. <laughs> He's like, you can do it. He goes, just call me afterwards. Tell me how it went. I believe in you. You can do it. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting off the hook. So we met at Elmer's, which is like a little diner restaurant, like an IHOP or a Denny's, and we met there. And we sit down, we get a booth, and I sit on this side of the booth, and I was her ride, I brought her, because they're not getting along. So when they meet, the both of them sit on that side, and I'm sitting on this side. And man, my heart's pounding, sweat's dripping. I'm just like, oh gosh, Lord, what's gonna happen right now? I'm, I'm not prepared for this, I don't know how to do this, but I'm here, I'm available. And we're sitting there talking, and they won't touch each other. They got like a foot between each other, just barely sitting on the bench, and they're not looking at each other, and they're just mad, and they're not talking. Well, literally, like five minutes in, she turns. She's the one, like, kind of on the wall side. She turns and leans against the wall, and she lays her legs across his lap. You can just feel the <laughs> like, Like, literally, like, why have I not been doing this forever? Like, I need a website. I need to get some face. I, like, I have some, this is incredible. And so we start talking, and it was about five minutes after that that she pulls her knees up to her chest, stretching, and as hard as she possibly could, she slammed him in the ribs with both feet, just boom, knocks him out of the bench onto the floor. Language I still can't interpret, started flying all over Elmer's. Spoons, creamers are being thrown. I mean, this turned into like a full-out right in the middle of a packed restaurant. And everybody's looking, and they're screaming, yelling, stuff flying around. And I'm like, I definitely shouldn't be doing this job. <laughs> Get it broken up. He comes around, sits on my side, and we're talking. Next thing I know, she gets up, storms out. I'm her ride. I have no idea where she went, uh, but gone. And I'm sitting there with him, and I said, well, session one. Probably need another. Uh, they are still married. What is that like? Almost just 20 something years ago. They're still married. I have no idea how that worked out. That was my only session with them. So it must have been really good and powerful. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. But they knew I cared enough to try. And we stayed friends with them for a long time and kept good relationship with them. And they knew I was probably not going to be their marriage counselor. But they knew I loved them, I cared about them, and I was there. Sometimes that's all God's really wanting us to do is step out and get involved. It shows people that we care. It shows people that we want to help. Maybe we end up not being able to solve the problem or help the issue, but you know what? They know that they've got somebody on their side, and that they'll trust us enough to say, man, i got somebody in my corner. I'll go find the right person. I'll go get some help. I'll do something. God's just calling us to step out, to use the gift, and then he'll be with us, and then he'll help us, and he'll walk alongside of us. He'll do that if we allow him to do it. 
You know, I got Ray over here. He's uh, helping out at L3. A couple weeks ago, he led the meeting. I was gone. I said, hey, I'm going to be gone. Jump up and lead the meeting. He could have said, no, I don't want to do it. Ah, oh, bad, no, no. He just jumped in and did it. Boom. I immediately afterwards started hearing, man, that was great. Man, Ray did a great job. It was awesome. I'm like, well, do you guys even need me back? <laughs> he's leading it again this Monday, but doing a great job. Why? Because he's willing to step in and not just be a watcher, but to step in and say, man, God's put a gift or an ability in me. I'm going to step in and do this. I'm going to help out. Fellow back here in the pink shirt. He's got a rough background, a rough life. He's been through a lot of stuff. He's been keeping notes on his phone forever, these little phrases that God's been giving him to help him get through the difficult times. Just keeping down the little phrases, keeping down the little phrases. Like, what are you going to do with them? I don't know. Just keeping them down. And now he's putting them on his shirt. Stand up and show your shirt, fellow. Now he's putting them on his shirts, man. Encourage people and build them up, right? That's his first one. Right? Where's God going to take that? I don't know, but it's what God gave him and putting in his heart, and now he's starting this thing to put it on here and say, you know, is fellow perfect yet? No. I'm not perfect yet. If that's the standard, we're all in trouble. What's worse than that, if that's the standard, then the people that are broken and hurting worse than we are in trouble because we're unwilling to go help. If you're in a war and you're like, man, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I got a limp, and there's a person over here that's got their arm hanging off, you're like, well, once I get healthy, I'm going to come help you. It might be too late. The person that you could reach out and help, man, their marriage is on the last thread. And you're like, well, once I get more spiritual, I'll maybe, maybe talk to you. The person's in depression, and they're losing their mind, and they don't have any hope. And they're, you're like, you know what, man, once I have total and complete perfect peace, I'll come talk to you. I'm still working on me. Meanwhile, they're like this close to maybe not even being around. But you're not ready, or I'm not ready. God's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be available because he's perfect and he can work through us and do what he wants to do. That's all he's asking us to do is to step in and allow him to work. Here's what God talks to us about. Fear not. Now, this is the most repeated command in the Bible. And Rick Warren, he's a pastor of Saddleback in California, but I took this as a quote that he had that I liked that talks about this. He says, God obviously wanted Christians to get the message to stop worrying as there are 365 mentions of fear not in the Bible. Fear not or some other phrase that means a similar same thing. It says, why did God stress the importance of avoiding fear? It says, because our hurts and hangups can often cause us to think that God is out to get us, that all he wants to do is condemn us and punish us, but that simply isn't true. Jesus is the proof of that. Jesus is the proof of that. You don't need any more proof that he's on your side, that he loves you, that he wants to work through you, that he wants to bring life than the fact that he literally gave his own son to die for you and then to rise again and invite you into the inheritance with him to walk it out. He's for you. He wants to work with you. He wants to work through you. Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? How many things? All things. Oh, man, I don't know if I have the courage to give you the courage. Man, I don't know if I have the wisdom. He'll give you the wisdom. The Bible says in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally without reproach. 
God will give it to you. God will give you wisdom. Oh, I don't know how to do that. God will give you wisdom. I feel called to do this. I met a lady here on Friday night. They used our church for um, Fostered by the King, an organization that helps not just foster kids, but trauma, like the traumatic, traumatized foster kids. They held an event here on Friday night. I was talking to her, and she worked for CPS for like 10 years, working with the trauma cases. And then two years ago, 2019, she started this. She said, I left CPS, and I started this because I just wanted to do it a better way. Well, do you know how much courage it would take to walk away from that job and all that stuff and say, I'm going to go start my own nonprofit to help these people? But she could feel the, God, the, the call of God on her life to go do this. She'd never done that. She never had her own nonprofit. But now all these kids that have gone through trauma are being helped and blessed. Why? Because she was like, okay, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm just going to start stepping forward and start moving towards this. I'm going to do it. I'm that God leader. Started talking about it, started putting it out there, started connecting with people, started bringing it together, started making it happen. That's fostering, that's nonprofit, but God uses all kinds of things. Justin here in the front row started his business, what was it, a year and a half ago? About a year and a half ago, started his car business. Helping all kinds of people save money, get their cars fixed, have an honest person come out, and he helps people sometimes. He goes out there, and I've seen him to help people, not charge him anything, just go help. Just using the gift to help people. But he used to work for someone else, and he didn't have the flexibility or the time to do anything that God was putting on his heart to do. And I remember the conversations. It was like, I'm going to do this. It's scary, huh, to get started. Why? Because when God calls us to do something, it's automatically scary. Otherwise, he's coming down to do our thing. And shrinking himself down. But Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. God's power is working in us to do things that just blow our minds. Way past our own ability. That's what he wants to do. And he's giving us all things, it says in Romans. He gives us everything that we need to accomplish the work that he's called us to do. And to Timothy, this is a guy. So 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. This is Paul writing to Timothy. This is a guy who's working and trying to do what God's called him to do. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Have you ever started a fire and you're trying to get it going? It's a little bit of coal. You get down there and blow on it. Or you get one of those things, like the old days, or you get something, you're trying to get the wind going. So why? So that air can get in there, so that flame can get up and do what it's supposed to do. So it's not just smoke, but it's a fire. Sometimes we can get so stuck and just satisfied with just living with the smoke. The smoke doesn't benefit anybody. Oh, I've been talking about this. 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 It's just smoke. It's not really bringing a benefit. But to really step into what God calls us to do and start taking action on it is to fan it into flame. Well, what's the difference? A flame in its proper setting, the flame actually, all kinds of benefits. You can cook on it. People can gather around and keep warm on it. It starts to actually benefit the people around it. And so the gift that God's put in you to just have it be smoke, right, is one thing. But to fan it into flame and say, you know, I'm going to do this. Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready, Lord. I'm moving forward. I'm going to do the thing you've called me to do. It allows us to come up into a flame to where we actually start to have an impact on society, an impact on our neighbors, our family, our friends. It actually has a, a real benefit because that's the whole reason God put it in us. It's the whole reason that he put the desire in us. He gave us the wood. He gave us the matches. He gave us the whole thing to go start a fire because he wanted to warm some people up. 
He wanted to bring life into a cold and often difficult world through us if we're willing to use what he put in us. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all of the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control as after preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. Paul's talking about this concept that, you know, what we're called to something in Christ, both in our faith and what we do with our faith and the gifts that God's put in us. He's, he's calling us to something that's real and serious, and it takes us being willing to do some sacrifice and work on it and get ourselves disciplined. I went stretching with John Clay. Hey, let's get together for coffee. Now, how about we stretch? Okay, let's do it. I actually called him because I had a thing in my neck going on and stuff, and in my head, and he's like, yeah, come on, I'll stretch with you. So I meet him up at the club, and we're sitting in the sauna thing, stretching, and all these people are coming in and sitting around us watching us stretch, and I'm like, okay, this is awkward. Here we are. And he's like, just bend it this way, bend it that way, and everybody's like gathered around, and I'm like, okay. And he's totally comfortable. He doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, stretch it. And I'm like, yeah, stretch it. I'm a man, stretch it. So we're there stretching and learning to stretch, learning to breathe, all that stuff, because he has a goal and a, and a desire someday to get involved in MMA, to go fight. And he needs to have the flexibility and the ability to do that. So when somebody bends your arm, like they bent my arm past about right there, it'd just break in half. That's it. Boom. I'm out. Tap. He wants his arm to be able to bend all the way around and twist around and come up around his neck, and he can just smile at the people, and they can't hurt him. Right? So he's got to get ready. So there's all this stretching, all this stuff. What's he doing? He's putting his body through what it needs to go through to do what he feels called to do. Because he feels like being involved in that community. It's a community that needs God. And he's not just going there to make money or going there to just punch people. He's going there because he feels like it's a community that God wants him in. And so he's trying to prep his body for it. He's trying to get himself ready for it. He's going through the work for it. He's doing all this stuff. Why? Because it takes effort and work to get ourselves ready to be able to do what God's called us to do. It's not just hoping. It's not just thinking, well, maybe someday if the door opens. It's not, there's actually a, a work to, well, what is it I'm supposed to do, and how do I get ready for that? I want to get ready for that. I want to start applying myself, getting myself set up for it. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 through 11. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Anybody ever feel unworthy for what God's called you to? This is Paul. He persecuted the church. He literally would go into houses, drag out people, help them drag people out, and then those people would be killed. And now he's going back preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus to some of the same areas where he actually drugged people out and had people killed. Imagine that. Somebody comes back to your church and you know, hey, that's the person that killed my uncle. And now he's preaching to me about God. I mean, that's a past, Right? He's coming there saying, hey, guys, I know that happened back then, but hey, bygones are bygones, right? Let's bury the hatchet. Hey, we already buried your uncle. Let's just move on. <laughs> Awkward. So he knows he's unqualified. However unqualified you are, he was far more unqualified for what God called him to do. Unqualified. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, check this out, his grace towards me was not what? In vain. Well, what does that mean? It means that it wasn't a total gym that he left in his garage. 
That's what it means. It means that God gave him this grace, and he said, you know what? I'm not just going to park this in my garage. I'm going to do something with it. Well, how do we know that? Because it goes on. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. I mean, I was called to do this. God gave me grace and saved me from my past. And you know what? He didn't do it in vain because when he gave me the grace and he said, you know, I'm setting you free and I want you to move forward into this destiny and this calling I have, I didn't sit around in fear or shame or doubt or apathy or whatever it be, but I said, no, I'm going to work. I'm moving forward. I'm going to do the thing God's called me to do. It's going to happen. I know God's with me and I'm going for it. But he did that not just for himself. The reason it's written here is because he did it for himself, for others, and as an example to us in the future to do with what God's called us to do. What are we going to do? April runs our Wednesday night women's Bible study. Why? Because God put it on her heart. Do you know what? I came out of grieving, and I came out of loneliness, and these different things, and God wants me to help people. I want to do that. Faith runs our Facebook now. Why? Because she feels connected, and she feels like she's a part of something, and she wants other people to feel that same connection and a part of something where God's love is being shown. So she says, you know what? I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to do this. She faithfully jumps on and talks to people and connects to them. I never even have to remind her. Well, before, you didn't even like our church, right? You didn't even like me or anybody. Like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't even like that place. Now she's on there welcoming people. Why? Because God's done a work in her heart. And when he did, she didn't say, well, I know, but I didn't even used to like him, so I probably shouldn't. She said, okay, I'm in. I'll help. I'm going to move forward in what God's calling me to do. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, it's to jump in and do. And here's the last verse, Colossians 3, 23 to 24. Whatever you do. Work at it with your whole being. Boy, that's a lot. That's a lot. Your whole being. Get your mind, get your spirit, get your heart, get your body, get it all going one direction and go do this thing that God's called you to do. Well, but I don't know if it'll work. I was at a business coaching thing years ago, and there was this guy, and he was like, say, Kyle Size. I was a workout guy, too. He was just a big, strong dude. And then there was his wife, and she was tiny. This this little, short, skinny lady, and she's just small. And we did that thing where you punch through the boards. Have you ever seen that? Like, hey, punch through the board. And so we did that. We had all of us there, and you get up, and you, the, the person holds it up. They give you a couple tips and you're supposed to punch through it boom so he gets up there and he's like yeah okay <sighs> boom nothing Ford just stays there and he's like all right and everybody's watching of course he's getting embarrassed now right he's like boom nothing and it boom starts hitting it his hand's getting all red he's not breaking through his little tiny wife gets up there one shot different board so it's not like he got it ready you know, it's like when you open the jar, you know, and it's like, I can't open it, I can't open it, you give it to somebody else, and you're like, pop, and you're like, well, I got it ready for you. It was all my, no, it wasn't that, it was a whole different board. She just says, boom, blasts right through it. Literally, the guy that was holding the board had to jump back because her fist came through at his face, and she's going to break his nose, and he's like going back. And they were talking about it, and they said the difference is when you're breaking those boards, you have to be punching through them, not to them. That's the way you do it. You don't look at the board. You look beyond it, and you punch through it, which is full commitment. 
Because when you're afraid you're going to break your hand, you're punching to it. Because, well, if it doesn't give, like, i got to be able to save myself, right? So I'm going to punch to it. But if it doesn't work, i got to be able to say, I can't break my bones. i got to punch. You can't do that. You're punching to the other side. Boom, I'm going through this thing. Well, it's the same thing. Sometimes God calls us to something. And it's like, well, I'll try. Kind of try, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And we don't go through and focus just on him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm going to go to this side. This is where God's calling me to. I'm just focused. Lord, that's where you want me to go. I'm going there. Boom. And whatever happens in between, this is where I'm going. I'm all in. And it's that all inness of faith. That's what it's talking about. With your whole being. Like, I'm fully committed. This is where I'm going. This is it. My marriage is struggling. Do you know it? But God, you called me to have a good marriage and work this through. It's like, well, I'm going to try a couple things and see if it makes it any better. No, all the way through. Boom. No, Lord, we're going to, I'm coming through to you. Whatever it could be, you're all the way through. That's what God's calling you to do. It says, no, I worked harder than all of them. Nope, that's the last verse. It says, for the Lord and not for men, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. There's a trust in God that he's good, that he's with you, that he's going to reward the effort. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It takes a faith that God is for you, that you're going to receive a reward, that if you step into what he's called you to do, that he's going to be faithful to help you succeed so that you can then have an impact on the lives of others. Your past doesn't matter. Your current situation doesn't matter because God's bigger than that. And the future is already his. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's already there. Victory's already there. It's just a matter of committing to, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm coming this direction. That's what you do with the awesomeness that God's put in you. And I just challenge you, don't store it in your garage. Pull it out and do something with it. Pull it out and use it. Just start doing it. If you need help, you're like, man, I got stuff. I don't know how to do it. That's what we're here for too. The Bible gave pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists for what? For the equipping of the saints. That's you guys, all of us, for the work of the ministry. It's not for you guys to come and serve me because I'm the pastor. It's for us to serve God and to do it together. And your gift, wherever God's called you to, is as equally as important to God's gift that he's called me to. Mine is right here, but there's people that will never come sit here. There's people that we will never touch unless everybody's taken what God put in them and said, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this thing. And together, when we all say, God, this is your awesomeness that you've put in me, and I'm here, I'm going to use it. When we are all are willing to do that, we can have some huge victories and testimonies that God would use. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that every person here would be, Lord, stirred in their heart this week. Lord, even as they go through the Bible plan, Lord, and read about, Lord, uh, leaning into our purpose, Father, that you've called us to. Lord, that you would stir in their heart. Lord, you're so creative. You're so creative. I have no idea what you've called each person to, God. It could be something I would never even think of. But, Lord, you're so creative. You're so wonderful. And I know, God, that you've put a gift in each person and something awesome that you want to use to touch the lives around them. I pray that you'd give them confidence and boldness and passion. Lord, that they would step forward and step into it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.